using your asset IDs to follow the data across your organization. Hello, thank you for joining us. This is What Counts, a podcast created by Trailblazer Consulting. Here we highlight proven solutions developed through our experience working with companies across various industries, and we talk about how you can apply these solutions to your company. We share our experience solving information management challenges like creating and implementing a records retention schedule, creating an asset data hierarchy, or helping with email management. This is Lee, and in this episode, Moore and I will talk about using your asset IDs to follow the data across your organization. Mora, we're on a roll in this asset management space. This is our fifth episode where we talk about asset data management subjects. And I feel like there's so much more to talk about uh, that could really help out a physical infrastructure company. And one of these pieces is how do you follow your data throughout your company? Yes. So follow the data I have running through my head, follow the yellow brick road, um, because it's how do you get a path through all your data? All right. So here's where I'm thinking we start. When somebody is building something, when a construction company is working on a big building project, maybe it's a new wing of an airport terminal, they are tracking everything. They have to know They have a design document that says, here's what we're going to build. Here's where the elevators go. Here's where the hallways are. Here are where the windows are. Here's all the details about what we have to build for safety or for light or um, to meet, you know, regulatory requirements or to meet functional requirements. It's incredibly detailed documentation about what needs to get built. And in order to make it happen, somebody on that project is in charge of getting all the stuff, all the materials. So you need the steel girders um, and the concrete to build the foundations. You need the light switches, like down to the tiniest detail. You need the windows that are rated. uh, Well, where I live, you have to have for new construction windows that are rated for hurricanes. And so you've got to have that. and, And there's a depth for the windows to make sure that the windows fit into the space and the, anyway. So you get the idea. There are so many details in any big construction project. And those things are often tracked in a bunch of places. They might be tracked on spreadsheets. They might be tracked on purchase orders. You know, we're building, we're buying a million dollars worth of stuff for uh, this project from this company over here, this supplier over here. And we have this reams and reams of purchase orders with exact part numbers from their catalog and the exact specifications of how many of this and how many of that and what's the pricing and where's it going to be delivered? Who's in charge of it? How do they check it in? They do a goods received um, you know, review of, yes, we got everything that we ordered from the purchase order. And that traces back to this part of our work breakdown structure of how we're building this new wing of the airport. And so all of those moving parts, no pun intended, but they are all moving parts. They're all being tracked during the construction project. And they're probably being tracked in sort of standalone ways. You know, a thousand purchase orders that go into your purchasing system, and then they get the the bill of lading gets attached to the invoice and the goods receipt gets attached to the approval to pay the invoice. And it's all there 
but it's not easy to get at. You go back to the purchase order, there might've been a list before that, there might've been spreadsheets, there might've been dozens of spreadsheets that have all these things listed out. And somebody's checking kind of one step to the next, but nobody's looking across the whole thing. So this is like in a microcosm, the whole problem with records management over the past few years is we've moved from keep records to actively use the data that's in the records as being the expectation. And it's this very similar problem here. Like you're tracking, we order, we figured out what we needed. We made the order. Okay, good. Step one done. We got the order. Did we get what we ordered? Okay, check off. Step two done. We got the order. We got the invoice. The invoice matches what we got, what we ordered, pay the invoice. We're done. Like it used to be like that. But actually, there's now this expectation that, no, we're tracking every piece of it, um, in part because there have been issues as our infrastructure continues to age, things are weakening and more issues are coming up. So we have requirements for materials traceability. We also have you know, international trade negotiations going on and you might have tariffs and you might have a Buy America plan or you know, that you have to know where did the steel come from to make sure that the steel meets certain standards, new safety standards or something like that. Um, the hurricane rated windows, like you have to know the whole history of the materials now because we live in a data age where people expect you to know all those things. And we live in an age where you might be held liable if you don't meet all those requirements. In some ways, this has been true for a long time, but it has ramped up in the past 10 years or so. And partially because if you can have the data, people expect that you will have the data. And that type of data management is becoming more commonplace. We're in this information explosion. So you're in your project, you are very focused on, I gotta meet my budget, I gotta meet my schedule, I gotta get done. I've gotta build the thing I promised to build. I'm tracking all this stuff, but I've got 15 people and somebody is the orderer and somebody is the checker and somebody is the builder and then counts payables over off in a whole different department. Okay, great. Your project is going along, humming along and you get to the end and you go through your inspections and you get all your permits. Wonderful, but your data is still spread out everywhere. And now your maintenance and operations team has to be responsible for that. They have to understand what it is that you are turning over to them to maintain. The maintenance team now has to know, maintenance and engineering team, they have to know how many times a day do you have to cycle the, um, the generators to make sure that the generators are available in the event of an emergency? Or how many times a week do you have to um, clean uh, the runners that are behind the escalator so that the escalators are going to run smoothly and not trip somebody and cause a major injury? So all of that detail is somewhere in this morass of data that's out there that the construction team has. And they just want to turn it over and say, we're done, moving on to the next project. But the maintenance team has got to take that in. So following that data from construction through to into operation is a massive project. And what we have seen in every single organization that we've worked with that has a physical infrastructure component to it is that the handover from phase to phase, especially at the sort of coming into operation phase, is a huge opportunity for risk and error. Because 
how, if you, if you're the maintenance team, engineering team, and you've been off running the existing airport, all of a sudden somebody's like, Hey, by the way, there's 10 new gates coming online and the jetways are different and we have moving walkways over here and we don't have moving walkways in the rest of the airport and all of these things. How does the maintenance team know even how to start with that? So that's the challenge is how do you trace the important data that meets your asset definitions and get it into your system so that your work orders are up to date and your teams are trained in whatever the new technology is. How do you make that all happen? So. Yeah, you're not saying that any one of those departments is doing anything wrong. I think what you're saying is, is that they really need to come together and that handshake needs to, to occur at the appropriate level. But I want you to help me understand something. Why are some regulations, why did some regulations come down to talk about having information that's traceable, verifiable, and complete? Okay. So first to your first point, yes, I am talking about that handshake. I'm also talking about it happening earlier in the process and not waiting until right before you go into operation. Because the earlier you start handing data over, the easier it is for everybody to trace it through from beginning to end. What, what what does that mean, though? Does that mean maybe you move your engineering group to the beginning where the planning is? <laughs> it does mean that. So, And they are involved at the beginning, right? Because usually the engineering team is setting some kind of standards for the operations. And so they're involved at the beginning by saying, hey, these are the standards you have to meet. But then in a lot of cases, they're left out until the end when they have to accept it all. So one organization that we worked with, the engineering team really drove a big process change with the capital construction team, where they, um, instead of waiting till the end, they actually wanted all the detailed draft data at the 90% design stage. So if you're going through design, you know, trying to, how does this new terminal going to work? And you're at, you got like a 10% is really high level. Here's we're planning to build 10 gates and it's going to be two stories high or whatever. Then the 50% design is a more solid design. You start putting engineering behind it. Um, you put more detailed cost. But when you finally get to 90% design, that's usually where you get a approval to proceed, like approval to actually start building things. And by 90% design, it's meaningful that the the details are there. The architect knows them, the engineers know them who are in the construction project. And so, yeah, that's the time to start bringing in, bringing back in the, um, the maintenance and operations engineering team who are going to be responsible because then they can start asking good questions and getting prepared and, oh, we need a whole different style of um, we need, you know, synthetic oil instead of regular oil, <laughs> just to take the to the consumer level of a car. My car now needs synthetic oil. I didn't know that kind of thing. So I did know it, but at some point I did, it was news. <laughs> There's a whole new style of elevator going in and the technicians don't know how to service that elevator. But if you know that at the 90% design stage, you're not going to be construction complete for a year. Then there's time to train the technicians so that they're ready with uh, whatever is required to keep that elevator up and running when it comes online. But if they don't know that that's happening until a week or two before it comes online, 
then they're scrambling to keep that thing going if anything goes wrong. So that earlier cooperation, collaboration, and data sharing, not just concept sharing or idea sharing, but actually here's the hard data. Here is our purchase order list that has all the details of the things that we're buying. And this is how all the materials are, are tracked into our design and our you know, daily updates on what does our design look like and what uh, and how does that eventually going to become the as-built picture of what happened here. So I think that's a huge change, a huge change for the better in terms of just managing this massive quantity of asset data. To your other question about new regulatory requirements that are emerging for things like traceable, verifiable, and complete, those requirements that specific one, which has to do with pipeline safety, came out of an explosion. And it is often true that more regulation comes after a tragedy, a, a problem that wasn't anticipated, a problem that maybe the idea was you didn't need to say this because our standards covered all these things. But if you aren't tracking, just there's so many moving parts, like we said, and there's so many different handoffs between we designed it, then we had to order all the parts, then we got the parts, then we checked them in. It was a bad batch. There was a problem with the pipe. There was a missing weld or, or a, um, you know, there, something went wrong chemically in the coating of something. And you hear about recalls for all sorts of things that happen over time. And the recall goes out and the manufacturer says, there's a flaw in this batch of pipes or starters or ignitions. And then the people who used them have to decide, hey, is my, is my starter in that batch that has the flaw? So that's where the traceability comes in, is actually being able to see from the start of the manufacturing supply chain all the way through to this thing is in place in a building do I know what's in my building? Do I know what's in my bridge, in my train, you know, rails, in my cars, whatever? Do I know what's in there? So that when, if something happens earlier in the supply chain that's announced as a flaw, I can protect myself against it and protect our customers against it. So that's where that idea of traceability comes in. And the bigger our infrastructure is, the more complex it is, especially with electronics and automation and even moving into artificial intelligence, you have many more sophisticated parts that can go wrong. And so that traceability becomes even more important. So the handoff is not only internally between departments, but it's also knowing all of your suppliers, their qualifications and where they got their supplies from. Yes. And things like ISO standards and audits of manufacturing processes and where did the raw materials come from and were those raw materials affected by some other, you know, external thing. Um, we have, we have constant change in our world. We've been, as we're recording this, we're all living through the Canadian wildfires and the smoke impact in air quality in the U S. And so that, that has an impact on things. It could have an impact on the um, the purity of the air that's part of a burning process or a tempering process in some manufacturer. 
Probably not. There's lots of safeguards built in. There's lots of filtering built in. There's lots of testing built in, but those things have an, it can have an impact. And that's why that traceable, verifiable, and complete documentation requirement gives you more control and more chance to be sure that what you are putting out into the world is safe. That makes sense. All right. So following the data turned out to be a worldwide kind of event here. <laughs> do you want us do you want to try to summarize it and make it a little smaller just for this small I mean episode? the thing is following the data can take you a lot of interesting places, but we can't try and tackle all of that in one thing. If you are sitting in your organization thinking about a data challenge, an asset data challenge, I would say you're looking at from the beginning of the supply chain through to the end of the expected life of this asset. So what's the what's the data? Who who owns it in different places? We talked in at one of our last episodes about identifying the system of record. So is that system of record your purchasing system? Is it 15 spreadsheets on the share drive? Because that's a harder one to manage. If you've been listening to us all along, you know that Systems of records that are really SharePoint, that are really um, spreadsheets, those are pretty hard to manage. So you got to think about what's the value of this data and where do you want to have it and how do you trace it from system to system, from phase to phase in the life of the asset, from owner to owner as it goes from, from each step to each step so that you can know when you get to, I'm maintaining this building and it's got 15 new elevators and it's got walk, moving walkways and whatever else, I know what's going on here. I know what all the pieces are and I know where to find out more about them when I need to. Excellent. If you have any questions, please send us an email at info at trailblazer.us.com or look us up on the web at www.trailblazer.us.com. Thank you for listening and please tune in to our next episode. Also, if you like this episode, please be a champion and share it with people in your social media network. As always, we appreciate you, the listeners. Special thanks goes to Jason Blake, who created our music. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for hanging in with us on this asset data journey. <laughs>